What's up, guys? Welcome to the Dumb and Podcast. I'm your host, Meep, and with me, we got D. Hey, what's up, guys? So, today's topic, we're going to be talking about creating behaviors. Um, how do you create behaviors? Well, there's a lot of ways, but there's three popular ways uh, that behaviors are created through. And the first one that we're going to talk about is free shaping. So, D, can you tell us a little bit about free shaping? Yeah, um, so free shaping is the building of a series of approximated behaviors towards the desired goal behavior. So, in simpler terms, you are not giving the dog any feedback uh, in the session, and the dog is offering behaviors. And you reward certain behaviors that will lead to the undesired behavior. So, for example, if you're teaching the dog a place command, simply what I'll do is I'll go near the place bed. As soon as the dog touches the place bed, I'll reward the dog. So, like, even when they, like, touch it with their nose or with their foot, or what are you looking for? Uh, Usually, I'm looking to see. It depends on the dog. Um, If the dog's scared of it, if they go near it, I'll, I'll mark that and reward the dog. But if the dog's just kind of being kind of walking around and touches their foot on it, I'll take that. But if the dog's scared of it, I'll, I'll go even back even further. Um, but the end goal is the, for the dog to be laying down on the place bed. So I'll take a bunch of repetitions of the dog just touching it. And then the dog will go up and touch it and be like, oh, crap, what do I need to do to get it now? And then so the dog will uh, either, usually they'll take another step onto it and I'll reward that. And then after that, I'll just continue asking for more until the dog jumps onto the place bed. Um, Once the dog jumps onto the place bed, I'll usually use a terminal release marker a few times to create a little bit of intensity in it. Uh, And then I'll start working on a little bit of duration um, just in the sit while they're on it. Uh, And then the end goal would be for the dog to down and stay on the place bed. So. once I get some duration in the sit, I will just simply stop rewarding that. And typically, the dog will stay there and um, and go into the down on its own. Um, and whenever it does that, I'll, I'll reward. And that'll be the sequence that the dog has to perform to get rewarded. Sometimes I'll have to, if the dog knows a down, I'll give him a down and use a bunch of releases off of that, and the dog will just run up and lay down on its own. Um, but that's essentially free shaping. Um, you can do that with, with a lot of behaviors. So to, just to circle back for some clarity, uh, you talked about rewarding behavior. You talked about the process uh, to free shape the place, but what so you, you said like you reward approximated behaviors, right? Rewarding behaviors to get closer to the end goal. But yeah. How long do you stay in those each individual behaviors? Like, do you, I mean, it really depends on the dog, I suppose, but what does that often look like for you? Or maybe your, like, your latest dog, like, do, are you rewarding, like, for a whole entire session, just a simple behavior, 20 reps, 10 reps? What are you, what are you doing? I'm kind of greedy. So, <laughs> sometimes, I guess it just depends uh, on the dog. Like, like, if I know a dog's super operant, I'm going to, I'm going to shorten that approximation part of the sequence so if i know a dog's opera i'm gonna 
take away the reward for the small steps quicker, if that makes sense. Okay. But if a dog is struggling, I'm going to stay in that as long as I can. There's some things to be said about, like, staying in behaviors for too long, you know, and then the dog kind of gets stuck on that one behavior and doesn't want to leave it because that one behavior was so valuable to them that it's hard for them to move on. So, like, it really depends on the dog uh, and how what they know prior, um, how operant they are in general, and, you know, how quickly they're able to move on and, and, and stuff like that. So, um, Well, yeah. some dogs, too, you cannot think for themselves. So free shaping is not a route that I would go. You know what I mean? Sure. And sometimes it's just easier just to lure them on the bed and reward them for that, and it kind of cuts out a, a big chunk of time. But, you know, there's something to be said about free shaping behaviors, um, the, the self-discovery part of it, and plus... It's often kind of fun for the, the trainer to kind of test themselves or skills or timing and build a behavior from simply just saying yes, right? No other yeah. cue than saying yes, and you can build a whole behavior on it just by when you mark. So, well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say no other cue. Uh, like, that's true. That's you, true. Yeah, because everything that we're doing in free shaping will become a cue if you're doing it every time. Um, so, like, me standing by the place bed, that is the cue to go to place. Now, once I know the dog knows that, I'll start changing it up a little bit, and I'll start moving my my body positioning and seeing if that's that cue is the only reason the dog's going to the bed. Sure. Um, and then I'll have to approximate away from that cue in that same session. So, basically, if I'm facing the um, facing the bed... Maybe I'll look away from the bed and see if what the dog gives me. If the dog goes to the place bed, boom, I reward that. And now I know that the dog's not so much relying on that cue. But we'll get into that a little bit more later. The next uh, popular way of creating behaviors, and that's called capturing. And so what is capturing? Capturing simply is a one-step free shaping. You probably often hear the term free shaping for this uh, type of training uh basically what it is is the dog offers you a behavior and you reward them for that so like i said one step free shaping right uh you want your to teach your dog how to sit so you wait for them to offer you a sit and you reward them for it one step reward uh how it differs from free shaping is uh free shaping is usually done through multiple steps right at least two Right. And capturing is just one simple behavior that you want, and the dog can offer you that. Uh, so that looks like sitting, downing, uh, even the paw, barking sometimes, right? Uh, you're capturing the behavior when it comes about, and you're just marking, you're marking it right then and there and rewarding for it. Yeah, so how, how that would kind of look like in my example is if the dog just went up to the bed and laid down and I rewarded that, that's capturing. But since I'm having to go through all these steps in approximating to get to the downstay on the place bed, that is free shaping. All right. Capturing is sometimes... Uh, it, it's not always the best, too, um, because the dog doesn't always quite understand, at least at the beginning um, of 
you training your dog, your dog doesn't understand that it's getting rewarded exactly for what it had just done. I mean, the, the theory of it makes it sound like your dog would know, but the dog has been doing those things, you know, for however long it's been alive and it's never got rewarded for them. And if you're not purposefully in a training session that the dog understands that his behaviors are rewardable, then it may be hard for that behavior to come about, right? You know, if you do just, you see your dog laying, laying on its bed and you go reward it for laying on its bed, it's probably not going to understand that yeah. it exactly is being rewarded for that. Mm-hmm. Um, unless you unless you have a, a history of doing that often with your dog or the dog understands that it's in a training session um, or you do it multiple times and eventually they may catch on. But uh, that's, you know, some of the pitfalls, I guess, of capturing, at least while the the dog is just kind of living its normal life outside of a training environment. I actually have an example of that that I'm having to deal with right now. Is this, I got a puppy, nine-week-old, and I'm trying to capture her peeing outside, right? But she just thinks, you know, she's living her normal life and peeing outside. And right when she's peeing, or when she's done, I mark it and create a reward event and she's probably just like what is going on like what did i do because she is not learning uh as of right now <laughs> so i right. just gotta get a lot more reps in but what what helped me with my last dog was uh my dog's actually she's a nervous nancy uh, she's a big nerve bag uh, i i adopted her she was a mutt outside of tractor supply and i rescued her and took her home but i love her uh-huh. um so she she didn't quite like being outside, I suppose, when I first got her. It was Florida. I lived in an apartment. There was a lot of people and vehicles and all kind of stuff around. So how, what I actually showed her was that um, once she went potty, that she would be allowed to come inside. Uh, and coming inside was kind of her reward, right? It would turn off the, the pressure of being outside. Um, this isn't, this isn't going to work for every puppy, but for mine, it worked because she was kind of nervous being out there and didn't really want to be out there that much, um, at first, at least. And so the faster she went potty, the faster we would get to go inside. Uh, obviously, there's cons to this, too, right? Because oh, You're so rude, dude. <laughs> then, you get a, then you get a dog that just kind of half pisses and then yeah. knows that you get to, gets to go inside. But, um, I mean, you sit out there, like, that's why I tell people, like, when they're potty training their dogs, like, you have to be uh, resilient. You have to be prepared. You know, I lived in Florida when I got my dog, and I had to be willing to go out there in the rain and sit there. So I would wear my Crocs with no socks, put my swimming trunks, put on my rain jacket, and we would go stand out there until she went potty. And then we'd come right back inside, and, you know, she'd learned really really quickly from doing that and also also keeping it on a on a schedule right my dog knew exactly when i was going to let her out um certain times right as soon as we got up before breakfast after breakfast you know uh middle of the day if if not all the times in between um and then you know before dinner after dinner and before bed like those were the for sure scheduled times right and so my dog knew that it was predictable and that uh when it was going to come and knew to look forward to that, maybe to hold their bladder until then. Um, but I'm kind of getting off on a tangent, but that was kind of a way that I trained my, my little puppy. I always forget how 
much it sucks to have a puppy until I get another puppy. <laughs> yeah, I, trust me, you're not the only one. I had to train a bunch of owners, and I had to tell them like it's a sacrifice. Like you're not gonna get a puppy. It's not the puppy's not broken because it doesn't, you know, adapt to your lifestyle immediately. This you get you're you're getting your dog at like eight weeks in a day, and. <clears throat> It's not going to do exactly what you want it to do, and so it is really, really frustrating. Like, but I tell people, like, if you sacrifice, if you sacrifice your 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 you know one month, two months of your life, um, that will make your life so much easier for the years to come by training your dog, being consistent, and showing them uh, a pattern that they can predict. Uh, will make your life so much easier. That's true. That's true. It's not easy, man. I mean, what do you what do you what do you think about it so far, dude? I uh, I get very frustrated. I I but I'm not doing everything I need to be doing. So, like, I got I got people reminding me. You know what I mean? And so it's helping me get back on track with her. Uh, sure. and so I need I do need to create a better um schedule for her so that like you said she has stuff to look forward to and she knows when and and how everything's going to be happening um because it hasn't been super consistent since i brought her home it's only been a week um so just fine i need to find a schedule for her but also for myself that works sure you're a busy man dude i'm so busy that's why that's why this podcast is so late guys you can blame me I mean, we all got lives to live, and you know, you gotta, you know, fit in things when we can. So yeah, we're here. We we didn't give up on you guys. I mean, this is uh, we got we get some really good feedback. People are are asking me when the heck, you know, when's the next, where's the next episode at? Like, what's going on here? Um, don't worry. Back to our back to the topics. Uh, <laughs> the next the next uh type of training that. I want to talk about is luring, right? This is probably the most popular one. Um, this is one that DTS uses. This is one that you probably use the most uh, as a trainer. Um, and what luring is, is simply manipulating the dog's position using a reinforcer. Or you can do something similar, which is called targeting. Uh, and basically what it is, is uh, sometimes you see dogs following people's hands that don't have a toy or food in them and that is targeting right you you taught the dog that the hand is valuable or that the hand produces food and if you touch the hand you'll get food and then you teach the dog to follow the hand and then you mark and reward for it and stuff like that right like your dog's following a a, a target stick or your palm or whatever it is it's the same essential principle you're luring the dog into positions and then you're rewarding for those positions. We do this for most behaviors like the sit, the down, the heel, and a lot of other ones. But those are the main ones. And simply what we do is for the sit, and I think I talked a bit about this before in one of the prior podcasts, but I'm going to talk about it again. So bear with me. Uh, you get a piece of food in your hand, and what you do is you, you move your hand slightly above the dog's head and towards their rear, and that will induce their head to go upwards, which creates their butt wanting to go down. And 
when the dog gets into that position and butts hits the ground, you will mark and reward for it. Uh, and that's a simple way to teach a dog how to sit. There's many ways to do it. That's the simplest one. Uh, the similar thing for the down, right? You you have a standing dog or a sitting dog. Uh, you push the reward low to the ground, maybe even into their chest a little bit, makes them want to go into the down. I know I struggled a little bit uh, with teaching my um, my dachshund how to down. Uh, when you have smaller dogs, it's a lot harder to teach them how to do it. So what I did was actually I put my dog on a table, and because I could go like, I guess, negative depth. I don't know. That's what you would call it, I suppose. Negative height. Anyways, because I could go, I could go lower than the platform that the dog was on. Helped me uh, teach my dachshund how to down. Uh, that's things are still hard to teach how to down. They sure are. I, I think you had a dog once, right? That yeah. you kind of struggled to teach how to down. Was that a dachshund too, or what was that? Yeah. The wiener dog, dude. I I had to call me. Yo, I can't get this wiener dog to freaking down. Yeah, I don't know if you tried what I. I think I recommended that that strategy to you. I don't know if you tried it or not. Or I, I ended up having to like just wait for the dog to lay down and capture it a bunch of times. It was okay. super annoying. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's not easy teaching like one of them short dogs how to how to down because then you got to get low and fortunately for you you're not a vertically uh yeah I know apt guy <laughs> but but um either way it's still hard to kind of get smaller dogs to down but yeah. it can be done you just got to get creative I got creative and it worked out really good for me so another thing that I did was I actually had a fish his name was Ziggy. Zigzag, I I taught him how to do some behaviors uh, through targeting, and what I did was I taught him how to follow a stick. So I had a like a I don't even know what it was. It was like a toothpick, but it was like a really really big one. I don't know. You would use it for meat or maybe the burgers. I don't, I don't know. And Offer's toothpick. Right. It's like this is a big one, and I I cut off the pointy end of it, and then I put a little. Uh, electrical tape around uh, the end of it. And so basically I give my fish a, a, a target for it to touch. And so what I did was I would put my, I would put the stick into the bowl. Hold on. It was a tank. I put my bowl, my stick into the tank and then the fish would get near it and I would reward for it. Eventually the fish would touch it, uh, kind of like kiss it with his mouth and I would reward for that. And I did that a lot. I mean, that was for like, you know, I don't know, two weeks. And I tried to do some other things like use a marker. Like um, I used a, like a light, flash the light as like a clicker, essentially. Um, I kind of abandoned that because I don't have three hands. So it's very hard to kind of do all those things. But um, so... Anytime my fish would touch the stick, I would reward them for it. Eventually, I started moving the stick around to lure the fish. And it got the fish finding, um, following the stick valuable. And then moved on to hoops. Teaching the fish to go through hoops. And it worked out really, really well. I mean, I could have just put the hoop in there and maybe uh, captured the fish when it swam through it. But... I decided to do the, the targeting method and it made the process a lot quicker by teaching other, you know, that fundamental behavior of targeting and I could 
use that to teach other things. Unfortunately, this is as far as I got with the fish. But that was something that I taught through targeting, like I said, which is similar to Loring. And this is so yeah. mind-boggling to me that you could do that. I mean, you can, and people say that fish have like short-term memory, and I didn't see what they were talking about. Um, you know, they said like they they forget things instantly. I mean, he went. You just, everybody watched Finding Nemo and. Uh, Dory forgot things very, very quickly, but my fish did not forget things very, very quickly. Uh, it, my fish knew when I came and I had that, you know, that uh, red plastic jar that had the fish food in it. It knew when it was time, like when we were going to start training and eat, it would get kind of excited and start swimming around. And and then we put the stick in and the, the fish never forgot the stick. You know, I think there was a point where I went probably... Um, maybe three days, maybe, without doing any training. Maybe, I think I went a week one time without doing any actual training. I still fed the fish, but I didn't train the fish for multiple reasons. Um, but, and it didn't forget. So, I don't know what everybody's talking about, but my fish was not that forgetting. And it's actually pretty good. It was a beta fish, too. It wasn't like it was a goldfish or a piranha. From the Amazon, bro, you uh, need to you need to start offering fish training services. Bro, nobody would pay for that, bro. Why? Right, two thousand dollars will train your fish. <laughs> your, fi- your fish only your fish only cost five dollars. Somebody but would do it, bro. Pay me two thousand dollars and I'll teach your fish how to go through a hoop. But, that's funny. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's targeting. I, and um, also to to jump on a little bit what you said. Um, I know you said like mainly they do that at DTS, uh, which some people strictly do that, but a lot of people use a combination of everything. And, and as dog trainers, we should be using as much as we can. We shouldn't be, uh, um, just sticking to one method, one method, unless that's the, unless that's the framework in which you want your dog to be built off of. And you want to keep it consistent so that later you can, uh, or maybe if you're selling the dog, that you can um, articulate it and the, the person's not having to to guess in which what method you're using. But um, I would say know the dog, and not every dog is going to be learning um, in just one specific type of uh, category for creating behaviors. I think uh, figure out where the dog learns and and use that and create a framework in that um, for that dog. Sure. Yeah, we got to learn how to do other things than just kind of uh, what we're used to or that, you know, if we're used to lowering everything, we need to Learn how to free shape things. Uh, learn how to capture and then put it on command. Um, you know, there's also other ones, but those are the main simple. Those, those are the popular simple ones. But <clears throat> we need to learn how to do all those things. Not and not just you know because our dogs need it, but because we need to make ourselves a little bit more well rounded. And the more tools we have, the more problems we can solve. True. Um, next, I want to talk about um, fading lures and cues because you're going to teach your dog through all these 
the luring or the cue, like the cue of me uh, standing in front of the bed, right? I can't have my dog only do this behavior whenever I'm standing in front of the bed. I need to extinguish that cue so that the dog can perform the task, whether I'm across the house and I tell it the place or if I'm in the kitchen making food, I don't need to be standing in front of the bed. So as far as cues go, uh, once I, I can get the dog consistently on the bed and in the position that I want it to be in, I'll start changing my body positioning and testing to see the dog's thresholds in which it can perform the task. And every time that I'm doing this, I'm, I'm distancing myself or I'm doing weird behaviors to where the dog's not just focused on one specific thing that I'm doing. If that makes sense. Um, and the same thing with luring. So with luring, if you're luring a dog in the heel, into the heel position, this is just an example. Um, let's say I, I'm doing it with a toy with a dog in the field, right? And I'm teaching. I'm seeing uh, we get a dog from DTS. The dog forgot kind of how to heal. Or I'm doing something a little bit different than what the trainer did at DTS. I, I, I'm going to get my toy. And I'm going to lure the dog in position and pay the dog, right? Over and over and over and over again. So the dog can do it 100%. Um, and then what I'm going to do is, this is my way of, of eliminating lures. There's probably way better ways to do it, but this is the way that I know. Is I'll um, then remove the toy from my hand. And I'll make the dog think that I have the toy in my hand. And I'll do the same exact lure, but then this time I'll mark the behavior and produce the toy um, from somewhere that was hidden. And the dog will be like, oh, crap, he didn't even have the toy in his hand. And I'll do this over and over and over again, and the dog's going to realize that, oh, he doesn't have to have it in his hand um, for me to get rewarded. And then you still have your body cue in that lure. So what I'll do is... If I'm doing a big loop to get the dog into the heel, I'll slowly start lowering down my, my, my loop to where um, the end goal is me just slapping my leg and telling the dog heel. And, and that's just a couple of examples. Um, did you have any examples that you wanted to add, Meet? Um, yeah, you talked about like cues too. Like You can't just have the the dog performing when you're standing near the bed or even when you only have the toy in your hand, because that's what a lot of people get into. So I don't really have another example, but I mean, those are, those are fading. The, the lore is sometimes a harder thing for new handlers. It's a harder thing for a lot of people because yeah, you can get the dog to perform nice, flashy, uh, how you want it when your dog's following something or you're, you're promising them something, but uh, you got to give them faith that they'll get it for doing the thing without seeing it, you know, present in front of their eyes. Uh, so it's important to fade the lore and make sure that when you are learning about how to do behaviors, that you're also understanding the extinction process of the lore or the reward uh, being present. And, and yeah. your, your cue, 
because that's what's important. That's why we have uh, these schedules, reinforcement schedules, and and um, we we learn about proofing because we need to make sure that the dog's not performing just because it's obvious that they're going to get a reward for it. So another thing too is I see a lot of people and. I've done it so many times myself is I I keep my toy out in my hand and I'm getting my dog to perform these behaviors with the toy in my hand. Right. And I think it's cool because the dog's doing the behavior and the toys out and he knows the toys out, but he's, he's working for me, even though the toys out and he's not being distracted. A lot of times, even though you're not moving your hand into the position for the, the dog's going to be in, doesn't mean that it's not part of the cue or the lure. So I see a lot of people holding the toy in their left hand when healing on the outside of the dog, right? And the dog's doing a nice focus heal looking at them, but the dog knows that the toy's there. Remove the toy and see what the dog does. Right. It It's, uh, you know, like, trust me, it's it looks really, really sexy. But for me... What looks really, really sexy is when you got nothing in your fucking hand, and that dog is really performing, like, really, really good. Um, and, like you said, just because you're not using the toy to necessarily uh, lure the dog around, but the fact that you have it out, it's kind of like it's kind of like a bribe. You know what I mean? You're showing them exactly what they're going to get. And yeah. there's something to be said about it in the training process, but eventually you need to start fading it out so that the dog will perform without it. And then have faith that he'll get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you remove the reward, it changes the the picture sometimes because now the dog's not going to uh, heal as pretty, right? I see a lot of people. I'm going to go off on a little tangent real quick. I see a lot of people. They'll put the the their Kong in their armpit, and they'll heal, and then think their dog's healing sexy. I'm like, dude, this dog is following the toy around. This dog's it's not a focused heal. You know, your dog's head is up because it's looking at the Kong in your armpit. No, but for real though. Fade it out, move it outside of their head. I think moving it outside of their head on the left side is a really good uh, strategy because it they know it's there, but they also have to make a choice to not look at it. And so that can be part of the extinction process that is really beneficial to you. One thing that, um, that helped me when it came to actually producing a nice focus heal is capturing the focus with no toy present also in a stagnant position so i call the dog to the heel when the dog looks at me i reward him i bring the toy out and reward in place while the dog's engaged with me and i do this over and over and over and over again to where the dog is as soon as the dog comes into the heel position the dog is immediately going to be looking straight up at me and then i start working on my turns in a stagnant position so I'll turn to the left, and if the dog, like, very, very slowly, and I'm capturing, I'm free-shaping it, because it's a approximated, um, approximating towards a desired goal, but I'm doing successive approximation very, very slowly in my turns. And then, once I can turn in a complete circle, in a stagnant position, with the dog focused, then I will take one step forward and then i will take two steps forward and it's slow process of getting the dog to have a nice focus heel i think it's a lot easier to teach that way 
rather than using your toy in your armpit or having a lure up or a toy up on your shoulder or, or stuff like that because the dog's not engaging with you at all. The dog, the dog's just engaging with the toy and he doesn't care about you in that scenario, but you got to build value on you and your eyes in, in the, that situation. I sought out, uh, Dave Croyer, uh, DK TV. I think he just does Dave Croyer.com now, but I learned his healing masterclass and it's a lot of information, but it's really good. And, what he talks a lot about is you got to have a vision for what you want your heel to look like. Um, how he teaches his heel is it's not a focused heel. It's, he calls it an, an attention heel. And basically what it is, is a heads up healing. The dog's head's up. The dog's head is up, but he's not looking into your eyes. His head is just up. And I've kind of adopted that uh, same uh, technique uh, because that's what I, I think that it makes a lot of sense. And I think that it, not having focus helps avoid uh, certain pitfalls uh, while the dog's healing, like foraging and wrapping, stuff like that, right? But that's just how I learned it. But you have to go out and learn the a process. You know, you don't necessarily have to do it yourself or what you've seen from other people, um, like other handlers and other dog trainers and stuff like that. But you can go out and find you a mentor that... Uh, you think heals a, a way that you agree with, I suppose. Um, and also understand that the the minimum standard for what's required for healing, um, it's not exactly defined. Uh, and the standard is quite low. But remember that you're doing more than need be and that you don't want to mess up things in your dog or be super uh, heavy-handed about the dog not picking up the heel that much the way that you want it to be, right? You want it to be something in, uh, joyful, not something that the dog is doing out of like negative motivation. Uh, but, yeah, I mean... It was just, a little tangent. Yeah, it was a tangent. <laughs> find, find what you like. Find what you like and, and uh, learn about it. Don't always go out there and wing it because these dogs aren't quite meant to be winged on you know what i mean like uh use your pet dog to wing it you know don't you know always go out there and use your own you know your working dog to kind of wing things you know what i mean yeah yeah i've, I've learned i've learned not to do that <laughs> yeah because it can create other issues and that's often what your trainers and your kennel masters fear the most is winging things and then it creates a other issues and you know that are hard to recover from or are especially kind of difficult to recover from while you are on the road you know what i mean because um, they don't always have the luxury of bringing you back and to be like kind of like kennel staff and work on that monday through friday dude everyone who wants to learn needs to be training pet dogs or something like that just to learn how to read dogs better and um, experiment, you know what I mean? And if you're not comfortable taking someone's money and telling them, hey, I'm going to give you this product, just say, hey, I'll train your dog for free this month. Just I'll I'll keep your dog in my house and just use their dog to experiment on. Right. I mean, um, in reality, like, you're not really going to mess it up to a point where, you know, whatever, you, if you mess it up, it's still going to be better than what it probably, yeah. what the dog probably was, right? Uh, you know, do it for free. 
you know, do it for, because then you, you're kind of a little bit, you know, guilt-free when you do it. Because I'll tell you what, we, a lot of um, handlers, and, you know, and I include myself in this, you know, I got on my high horse because I was like, man, I could train dogs, man, I'm training these MWDs, had to do all kinds of stuff, man, they're really nasty at this, nasty at that. But you also have to kind of humble yourself and remember that you had it easy. You didn't train this dog from a green dog. This dog's not a green dog. We call it a green dog, but it ain't a green dog. Yeah, you know, definitely dogs, not a green dog. You had somebody, you had somebody at DTS teach your dog how to search, uh, how to respond on odor, how to sit, how to down, how to heal, the yes marker, the all other all the other markers. Right? You 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 had it easy. You cheated, right? Like. You you didn't have to find what was valuable to your dog or create value in that Kong. You know, DTS did that for you, or the breeders or whatever vendors did that for you, right? But, you know, DTS did a lot of the work for you. So don't forget that, because it may not always be, you know, the super most proofed thing or the most tier one thing, but they helped you a lot. And so you take on your first pet dog, you will be shocked at how difficult it is and not only that is you're taking a dog that's not a working dog right it's not a usually sometimes they are but they're not always drivey dogs right you'll you'll go ask the owner you know what's what's the dog's favorite toy and you'll get the toy you'll shake it around and then you'll throw it and the dogs look at you like you're like you're dumb (laughs) And, and so you're like, holy crap, what am I getting myself into, right? You're questioning yourself as a trainer. And that's because you, you know, you didn't quite humble yourself and you didn't really know what you were getting into because you forgot that the dog that you were training was already trained by somebody else on how to do all the fundamental things that's, for, that's I don't want to say required, but that really helped you train that dog in three sessions, right? Yeah, cool, you train that dog in three sessions, but, you know, puppy program helped you out. DTS helped you out. The vendor helped you out. Now let's take now let's undo all the poor training that some pet owners did, you know, and try to teach these dogs markers and uh, teach them how to value something enough that they're willing to work for it. I would say too, um, if you guys do want to do that and you get stuck, just message our Instagram page or go on the Facebook group and make a post and post videos and. We are always down to help, even with your working dogs. If you're stuck and, and you're a trainer or a KM or if you're a handler and you're not receiving the help that you would like, um, we're not going to step on your trainers and everybody's toes, but we'll give you guys recommendations on uh, what we see in the videos and um, or guidance that we can help you guys with. All right. That's what we're here for. I mean... And it doesn't always have to come from us, right? There's other people who are part of our group. There's other people who who are out there who we could reach out to to, um, you know, get you some help if it's something like super specific. Um, and that's what this is about. It's about networking. Yeah. I know we kind of, you know, talk a bunch of nonsense, but you know, uh, it's something that I'm really speaking when I'm speaking to the audience. I'm speaking to myself, uh, especially my younger self, even myself now. Um, so. It, it's not as easy as we probably thought it would be and you really have to want it and you want to have to learn about it and you want to have to network and, um, you know, get a mentor and these people can, these people can help you out. Um, winging it isn't always the best option. 
And even if we don't know the answer, because we are in no way the best dog trainers, we're just here to help you guys out. We know somebody that knows the answer. Um, and we can point you in the right direction. But like D said, get your hands on some on some pet dogs, whether it be your own or other people's. Uh, understand, you know, how hard it is to kind of get your dog to work for food or work for a toy um, when they're not driven in that way and create value towards those things and, and create behaviors, free shape. Um, that's how I got addicted to dog training in the first place. I don't know if I ever told this story yet, but I uh, wanted to teach uh, a dog how to people call it place. I call it a touchpad. It's when you put your two front, the dog puts their two front feet on like a bowl, overturned bowl or something like that. Right. A platform of some sort instead of like a bed or something like that. But I call it touchpad. So I eventually taught a dog how to do this. And maybe it was like six sessions. Um, and it was like in one day. And I realized that dog training wasn't for like, it wasn't like a, a special kids club where only um, certain people who are blessed in that way can do it. Right. Like if you go out there and learn a little bit, you can do it yourself. And I realized that, you know, I could be a part of that club by doing, you know, by training dogs and I trained that behavior and I was hooked from that point on. I, that's like, that was my turning point. That was, when I really got into this stuff and I was like, I can do this too. It was not just that five-year handler that knows how to train dogs or that trainer, that kennel master that knows how to train dogs. Like, you know, at that point I was probably what two, I think it was two years into my career. I was telling you guys, I was already two years in and I had just started, you know, uh, and we want for you guys and we want for you guys to want for your people to start earlier than that. You know, start at two years, man. You should be starting at, you know, day one. You should be starting before you even become canine, my opinion. But, yeah, I mean, I did that in, you know, one day and told my, told my dog how to touch pad and I was hooked. So, and free shaping, you know, is it kind of addicting to you as a trainer too. And so, go out and do that with pet dogs. Go out and do that with whatever dogs you can get your hands on. And realize that you can do it. And make sure you're using sound principles and ethics when you're doing it. Yep. And I wanted to add, um, before we start wrapping it up, Learberg, if you get on Learberg, Michael Ellis has a video about luring, strictly about luring. I don't remember the title. It is so informational. So get on there, purchase the video. Stop neglecting your mind by being scared to spend 50 bucks or however much it is. Right. And that kind of leads me into my, my next point. Listening to us is not enough. Like that, it, like we're giving you kind of broad ideas, but we're not giving you the attention that you need, right? We're not giving you the detailed information that you need. Like you need to go out and you need to um, learn from somebody, from something that is designed to teach you these things specifically, right? Like, um, those resources that I posted on our website go there and you have to pay money. I mean, it is what it is. If, if you're, if your peers, your trainer, your kennel master, your admin, whatever, if they're not giving it to you for free, 
you shouldn't just throw your hands up and be like, oh well, well I'll never learn, or I'll I'll wait till soup's course because soup's course it's not gonna it's not gonna teach you. like, in my opinion, it shouldn't even be there to teach you how to train dogs. Like it's 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 great that they are kind of working on some things, right? I I loved the course. I think it was really really good, but it it's not designed to take you from level one. Like, you know, people who attend that course usually are you know more than three years on leash, five years on leash. You should already know something by the time you get there. They shouldn't really have to be covering ground zero for you, right? You need to learn that before you get there. And you should be wanting it for yourself, right? Like, you need to go learn how to train dogs. Because you have a dog. You're walking this dang dog every day. And you're teaching it stuff regardless of whether you realize it or not. And you're, you're, you're... Like I said, I'm talking about myself when I was younger too, right? You're hiding things um, because you don't want to be looked at as that poo-poo handler. Um, you're not bringing it up to your trainers. You're not bringing it up to your peers. You're not uh, doing the things you need to do because you don't know how to. And that's that's fair. But you have to eventually want to learn how to do it. So listening to our podcast, listening to other people's podcasts, it's not gonna it's not going to teach you. You have to go out there. You got to pay for some videos, pay for some uh, webinars, go to some live seminars, uh, join some clubs, find some mentors, somebody who's going to work with you one on one, whether that be, you know, virtually or somebody who's local to you. Uh, Maybe you find a dog training company that you like. Go, you know, intern under them like they're looking for free help, too. I promise you. And they don't you know, you have a lot more knowledge than the average person right so they don't have to teach you from ground one so they're more excited to teach you because you already have a a foundation foundation so go out there work for free learn pay money you got to pay it's just that's just how it is so um you're not just like i said like i said in the last uh a couple episodes ago you're not just going to come to work on monday and know how to fix the issue that you had on friday it's just not going to happen you're not going to have an epiphany over the weekend yeah i mean do you have anything else before we wrap it up uh, no, I don't. Uh, I think this is a really good episode, very informational and uh, very clear for the audience. I'm excited we got to record today. Uh, like I said, I've been super busy. I just got two new dogs that I'm training. Um, and then also just work, dude. I, I'm exhausted all the time. So <clears throat> being able to find time to do this for you guys, um, I really love doing it. For real. No, but... uh. It's great. I'm glad you guys are tuning in. I'm glad you guys are listening, and I'm, I'm glad you guys are wanting more because uh, we want to keep giving you some stuff. Uh, we have some really uh, good episodes um, coming up, so make sure you keep listening in. And like I said, give us that feedback. Hit us up on Instagram. Email us. Contact us using our website. Contact uh, Widget, however you say it. We're glad that we're able to talk to you and and uh, you're listening to us, bitch, or whatever, or at least me, bitch. But it's good, man. Get on that Facebook page. Talk a little bit. Ask some questions. Um, maybe tell us what you think you're proficient in. And maybe we could use you as a resource to learn from or to talk to or whatever it is. So, and uh, again, thanks you guys for buying merch. Uh, it's, we like I said, we're, we're now we're at the point where we can help people. What should bring me to my next topic is apply for that. Uh, if you go to our website, thedumbend.com, we have a helping handlers tab there now. 
where we will be, you know, donating to handlers. Uh, well, more of a reimbursement, right? If you've already done the course recently, we will kind of contribute to that. And you have to apply for it. There's a little form in there for you to fill out. So fill it out and, you know, start helping some people out. Or if you want to go to our course, right? Um, let us know which one it is and the date and all that and how much it costs. And we can try and try and uh, allot some of that money for you. Right. Uh, follow us on Instagram. Uh, if you guys have bought merch, hey, take a take a flick. Put on your story, tag us in it. Uh, we'll make sure we show you some love. Thanks for showing us love. Uh, I want to see all these people who have bought all this this merch, man. You guys, yeah, tag us. Been killing it. You've been killing it. So we're gonna bring out some more designs too. So stay tuned to that. Uh, there's also something specific that you want. I know some people have been talking about some uh, like poly polyester shirts. Um, talking about kind of changing the design so that the small logos on the front and big one on the back, kind of like the other stuff, right? Because the shirts, some of the shirts have just like the one on the front. So, yeah, we're going to be adjusting them. Um, so make sure you're checking out our website and, you know, looking at our merch, and we'll keep you guys posted on when we kind of come up with some new designs. Uh, DM the page and ask for uh, for truck stickers, because that's what I want. <laughs> I'm getting on it. I'm trying to find one, okay? Like <laughs> I don't want to put I don't want to get stickers that are just going to peel off on people's stuff. I'm looking at like some clear uh low tack, like low sticky ones, but I wonder if they'll just fall off. But at least it'll be easier to peel. We'll see. I'm looking at it. I'm trying to get it figured out for you guys. Um and they'll be on there eventually. So, yeah, I'm, I'm you're on there. We already got stickers on there, but maybe those will work. I don't know. Put it on your put it on your car and peel I'm it off. Scared. And see I'm me scared to put that one on there. Hey, me too. That's what I don't got a sticker on my car. But hey, uh, see if somebody do that and then DM us and see if it works. Yeah, I'll, I'll send you another one for free. I'll send you another one for free if you send me a video of you doing that. Yeah, sticking it on and peeling it off. I'll send you another one. So, don't right. watch. You're gonna get twenty people doing it. <laughs> yeah, but you gotta send me a video. You gotta send me a video on on uh, Instagram. Um. Yeah, again, check out our resources. Uh, that's where, you know, those are some vetted ones that, for pet dogs, for working dogs, dogs in general, those are some free, some cheap, some expensive, but they're good stuff, stuff that, a lot of stuff that I've used. I mean, pretty much all of it I've used before. So I think that it's really, really, really good. And I've paid thousands of dollars towards learning about this kind of stuff. So uh, I think it's worth it. And it'll be worth it for you too, I promise. Go fill out the Helping Handlers Fund. Thanks for being part of the Dumb End. And uh, thanks for sticking around. And we will see you guys next time. So, see you later. Later.